Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. Uh, it is now time for Mind Your Business. And we're talking about the Formula One uh, night race uh, that's happening this weekend. You know, it debuted in the year 2008. The F1 race in Singapore has generated more than $1.5 billion in incremental tourism receipts. In fact, more than 550,000 unique international visitors have come to Singapore for the Formula one night race and almost all of the organization of the race is subcontracted annually to Singapore-based companies. So great for business, right? And as we know, the race didn't happen over the past two years due to COVID-19, but now it is back. So that Formula One circus rolls into Singapore this week, the 13th edition of the Singapore F1 Grand Prix from September 30th to October 2nd. Now this will signal Singapore's strong return as a host of world-class events after the COVID-19 pandemic brought uh, its tourism industry to a screeching halt. Uh, The question we're going to ask in just a while is, what does this mean as far as the tourism sector is concerned? Is it uh, safe to say that that segment has fully recovered? Well, I'll be speaking right now with Lina Ang, Managing Director, APAC at Sorgen. Good morning, Lina. How are you? Hi, good morning, Elliot. I'm good. Thanks for having me on your morning show. I am grateful to be talking about this because I love F1 that much. But first things first, before we get there, what is the state of travel and tourism in Singapore this year? You know, I would say that the state of travel and tourism in Singapore in 2022 is flourishing. So Singapore is gaining strong momentum, you know, uh, since reopening our borders and uh, visitors are nowhere close to pre-pandemic levels in 2019. Mm. We we saw about 19.7 million arrivals. And uh, this year, STB is forecasting about four to six million international arrivals. So nowhere close. Yeah, but currently we're we're really not set up to welcome 2019 numbers, uh, actually, you know. The travel sectors such as uh, airlines, hotels, attractions and uh, F&B providers are still ramping up their workforce to serve the growing numbers of visitors. Nonetheless, uh, following two years of COVID restriction, it is very positive to see, you know, in-person events, conferences and uh, trade shows returning to Singapore. And and I myself will be attending three over the next three weeks. So you mentioned about F1 as well, the return of the sporting events, you know, this weekend will spur inbound travel to demand and will continue to help with recovery of travel and tourism. We, we tend to take yeah. it for granted the challenge that they're going through in terms of staffing, right? Because our expectation as consumers is, hey, we want to get back out there. But uh, people don't necessarily want to do those jobs. Yes. You're right. But slowly and surely, you know, that that's happening. And uh, we're actually seeing strong uh, recovery in two travel sectors here, okay. um, namely hotel and air. So for hotel, we've seen strong recovery and uh, room rates have really hit a 10-year high. We see that occupancy rate, even though it's lower than a pre-pandemic period, is yielding higher revenue. And um, right now, hotelists kind of tend to think more about profitability. Mm. What that means is to reevaluate maybe their distribution strategies, for example, driving direct bookings to their own website versus uh, through online travel agents, for example, Mm -hmm. and stretching manpower in this resource-constrained market, as you mentioned. 
I want to touch on air. The other, uh, okay. the other sector is okay. um, we know that that came to a standstill yeah. in pandemic, right? And um, but we're we're seeing a strong recovery there too. And uh, airline airline tickets are more expensive, no doubt, <laughs> uh, compared to pre-pandemic days. You might have noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Um, due to revenge travels, you know, uh, people people don't mind, you know, paying yeah. a bit more because uh, for two years they've not travelled uh, as well. Yeah, Lena. Any observation with regard to uh, Singapore's tourism industry versus uh, the recovery of our neighbours uh, here in Southeast Asia? Yeah. So you know, we've noticed that the um, Vietnam seeing uh, attracting uh, a lot of international travellers. We've noted that Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore, together with Thailand, uh, rounding off the top five, are seeing international travellers returning to the country uh, year-on-year percentage. For Thailand, may look a bit small. If you recall, last year they opened up uh, Phuket Sandbox, you know, in somewhere in June, and yeah. they already started to see uh, international travelers uh, returning to Thailand. So year on year, that percentage may look small, uh, but these are the top five countries that we're seeing growth in. Okay. Let's talk about F1 in Singapore. Uh, we understand that you guys at Sojourn have uh, pulled out some data on this front. Uh, what, what can you share with us in terms of insights? Absolutely, Elliot. So based on the last 60 days, we've seen that flight searchers data, we see that 32% of travelers are looking to stay in Singapore for about four to seven days and uh, another 30% for about 15 plus days and 21% for about 8 to 14 days and less than 20% for 3 days or less. A lot of numbers there, I know, but what this means is uh, is suggesting that, you know, those uh, here for F1 are extending their, their stay uh, beyond the race days to explore the island, you know, after all, maybe the first time people are coming back here to visit friends or family. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we're not just a stopover town anymore. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, on top of that, we've also noted that leading up to F1, the Oceania, uh, primarily Australia, has shown the greatest interest in Singapore travel. And that's up by 17% in 2022 versus 2019. And uh, other notable uh, markets include... Um, you know, compared to 2019 volumes uh, that's seen an increase include Southeast Asia. Uh, we saw that bump up by 5%. Uh, Western Europe, that's up by 3%. And okay. then uh, lastly, Middle East, which saw a small 1% increase. Mm. Was it a surprise though? I know here locally, a lot of sports fans were very excited when the F1 was re-announced. Uh, of course, there will be those that complain that that whole area is, is closed off. But was did it surprise you that this amount of numbers was coming to Singapore for the Grand Prix weekend? I don't think so. After a two-year hiatus, I think, you know, this 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 is, uh, you know, really a pent-up demand and we see that with troubles as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly something for STB to think about when you consider that uh, in recent years, the renewal of the contract, the years that they renew it for is not as much as at the start, like five years, that kind of thing. Now it's like two or three years, if my memory serves me correct. I think, you know, it, instead of a long-term contract, I think it's good to go into, you know, a, a shorter term and then okay, kind of okay. evaluate that again, right? You know, with this data and we look ahead to 2023, what do you think are some of the trends that will emerge for the travel sector? In terms of trend, I think, you know, there will be two different scenarios. One would be just, you know, uh, how we see travel and tourism continuing to recover as we see it today and, you know, an upward trajectory, peak and then returning to normal growth rate as we have seen in regions that have uh, relaxed 
travel restrictions before us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other is, you know, the scenario where China decides to relax travel restrictions yes. as well, right? Yes. Uh, let's not forget about the sleeping giant. Uh, this market, as we know, is huge. And uh, the pent-up demand, you know, to travel will really move the benchmark of uh, international visitor arrivals in destinations that they visit. So, you know, our travel intent captures a, a spike in terms of searches and bookings every time a country relaxes uh, travel restrictions. So yes. when China travels are ready to travel outbound, I think, you know, we're going to see a, a big uh, spike there. Mm. I'm sure you're already excited for Hong Kong with the fact that they've removed those uh, hotel quarantines uh, in the middle of October, right? Indeed, it's interesting you said that, uh, Elliot. We are already seeing, you know, with uh, Japan announcing uh, easing of travel restrictions last week, we're already seeing that spike. Oh yes, then there's Japan as well. Just to to sort of overlap with with the F1 weekend, right? And the other issue, which is the the talk of inflation and potential recession. I mean, when you look at the F1 weekend, first, my first question is: Was there a, an increase in plane ticket prices? And is it safe to assume that even with that increase, uh, that people are willing to pay to to travel? I'm not quite sure in terms of the pricing okay, uh, during okay. the F1 uh, period. But if we look at, uh, generally speaking, uh, FS have gone up. Uh, we've see, we've yeah. seen 20, 40% uh, increase uh, in, in FR. And if we're looking at peak periods, let's say for, you know, like the year end, for example, it can go two to three times more mm, uh, mm. what you used to be paying pre-pandemic days. So I did, I suppose, I mean, like you mentioned early on, those stats, like people staying beyond the F1 weekend from four to seven days. This new trend could be then uh, a smarter traveler, a, a traveler that maximizes, um, you know, if I'm going to pay that much to travel, I might as well stay longer. Absolutely. And that's the kind of trend that we're seeing uh, post-pandemic. Mm. That travelers have become very, very much more opportunistic and okay. unpredictable. Uh, first of all, they're making last-minute trips and they're taking advantage of uh, remote working capabilities yeah. and that's not uncommon today, right? Yeah. Uh, and we predict that this will go into 2023 as well, this trend, as more companies are very flexible in allowing uh, the employees to be working uh, remotely. Yeah, but as a point of speculation, I, I, I wonder if uh, that will, you know, bring about uh, changes in terms of uh, work visas and work laws. But that's a different conversation altogether, Lena. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I'm on the line with uh, Lena Ang, Managing Director for APEC at Sojin. Um, let's talk about the sector recovery for next year. Um, I remember during the pandemic, a lot of forecasts from various experts and studies were quoting 2024 as the year that travel will recover get back to 2019 levels. What are you guys observing? Uh, what's the number that you guys have in your head? You know, I think uh, in uh, in terms of recovery compared to 2019, um, it depends whether it's leisure or, or corporate travels, right? Okay. Uh, leisure will, will likely, you know, recover first. We saw that recover earlier this year and then it kind of slowed down. Many attributed that to the increase in airfare. Uh, however, corporate was seeing you know a healthy growth in corporate travels. I think you know going into 2023, we're going to see you know how the airfare will stabilize us, yeah. you know, and yeah. before we can understand where we're going to be seeing uh, more growth. Okay, I mean we, we talked about changes, and one of the most obvious ones that we've been discussing is the fact that uh, people are maximizing uh, their travel time, taking advantage of uh, remote working. What else do you see could be different? different where traveling is concerned in the year 2023. 
travelers are moving into towards a sustainable practice. And in 2022, there is a growing percentage of travelers saying that they want to stay in sustainable accommodation okay. and that would likely carry on. Um, and we also we also foresee that you know uh, hotels will continue to lean into ideas that guests do want more than just a room. They want an experience. <laughs> and uh, this is an op- there is opportunity for hotels to adopt technology that would make guests experience seamless and personalized from start to finish. Mm, it'll also change the landscape of uh, staff being hired. You're no longer just a service staff. You're kind of like tech slash service type of thing. Yes, spreading multiple hats. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the world we're heading towards. We always tend to look at potential turbulent factors. I mean, are you guys worried about anything that could uh, put a spanner in the works for the recovery of the travel sector? Ah, of course, we don't want to be in the same state where we are uh, yeah. two years ago, right? Um, yeah. In terms of uh, turbulence, I think there are a few obvious factors such as resurgence of the virus, knock on wood, mm. uh, escalation of the Russia and Ukraine war, or increasing inflation rates. So, yeah. um, the, the, But despite many of these unknowns, we continue to see an upward trajectory in 2023 for APEC in terms of travel intent. Yes, we have talked about travel into this region, Formula One weekend. There's another big sporting event that is happening later this year, and that is the World Cup. Definitely, as far as your office is concerned, that's next on the list to to really look at and, and prepare for in that sense. Definitely. I think, you know, in terms of the bookings and all that, yeah. right from last year, we're seeing, you know, uh, bookings taking place. Um, things are just as you would know and can imagine, you know, really expensive uh, to be visiting, yeah, but you have yeah. this advance that would pay uh, to be in that country and, and uh, experience the World Cup in this region. Just just an opinion question. How crucial are these events? I mean, you've, you've got F1, we've seen how people are staying longer, and then you've got the World Cup in Qatar. How crucial are they in terms of driving up that optimism for 2023? I think it is very, uh, people will be watching, all eyes would be on uh, these events as well to see, you know, uh, how, how they are being uh, organized, yeah. how, and, you know, the, the destination will actually uh, benefit from the spin-off, right? Longer stay, F&B, attractions, uh, you know, the, the destination on a whole would benefit from it as well. Yeah. It's always that uh, we tend to use the, the, the previous event as a bit of a case study. And then yeah. next year, you've got, you know, Paris Olympics, uh, no, the year after you've got Paris Olympics. So, and by then, hopefully we've been a lot happier, a lot freer times. I've been speaking with Lena Ang, Managing Director for APAC at Sojourn. Really appreciate your time this morning. You take care and have a great day, yeah? Thank you, Elliot, and have a great F1 weekend. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.